Hello and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring a bit of light to your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm your host, Keandra. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach and a survivor of an eating disorder. And this podcast aims to give information and advice that I needed in my own journey, but I wasn't able to access. So a little disclaimer, I am really sorry about my nasally voice. When I came back from my holiday, I have developed a cold. Um, It is the worst cold known to man. No, I think that is a bit of an overreaction, but I am pretty ill. So I am proud of myself for turning up. I was going to not do an episode this week, but I had a bit of time and I wanted to bring one to you. And I've had a lot of questions on this topic um, that I'm going to be discussing today, and it's all about set point theory. Now, set point theory is something that's often thrown about a lot within the media, um, especially on social media and surrounding eating disorder recovery. And, you know, there is many myths and much to debunk. So this episode is really, really important to talk about. So I'm going to dive straight in. And again, Apologies for my voice, but I hope it's not too off-putting. Maybe I sound quite sophisticated. Who knows? I will be able to figure that out when I listen back to it. So what actually is set point weight theory? Now, your set point weight is based on a theory that your body tries to maintain your weight within a set range. And this range is typically about for five to 10 pounds of weight range that is effortless to maintain. I think it's worth emphasizing that it should be effortless. So your set point weight is your weight your body is supposed to be at when you stop obsessing over food and exercise or other disordered behaviors. In other words, to simplify it, your set point weight is the natural, ideal weight your body will fall to be able to function properly and run smoothly. Typically, again, this is more of a range rather than a set number. Now, this range is influenced by genetics, metabolism, and various other factors. And these influence your weight. So for instance, genetically, you know, you might look towards your family history for their kind of weight range. Again, it's not going to be exactly the same because you are not a carbon copy of your parents or grandparents, etc. And you are a combination of both, uh, um, you know, a, a man and a woman, uh, a mother and a father, or, you know, your DNA is a mix. So it's not going to be exactly the same, but genetics do have a part to play in your set point range. Hormones also have a part to play. I'd definitely be able to give you real information on that. Like, for instance, before my period, the week before, my weight shoots up about 10 pounds. Now, that is not fat gain. That is water or shifts, fluctuations. And other things can be your metabolism, your metabolic rate, um, which again, you don't have control over somewhat. You can increase it or it can decrease, as we know from dieting. Again, other things, diet history, socioeconomic factors, such as your access to foods and resources, health status, and more. So there is so many things, as you can see, that impact your weight, physical, social, emotional components. And this is why we cannot say that weight determines your health 
when weight is so, so widely influenced. However, there are some very clear factors that influence your weight. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the Minnesota starvation experiment. Now, if you're not familiar with this experiment, one famous study, which has actually been used to give us a lot of insight into eating disorders, is called the Minnesota Starvation Experiment, and studied college-aged men in excellent physical health during World War II. And it's very, very important to note that these men had no previous body or eating disorders or issues. Now, what I would say and why the results are less accurate um, to a wider population is these were white, young males. Now, you know, again, eating disorders or disordered eating isn't concentrated to that population, as we know. But it did give us some really good insights into how calorific or calorie restriction dieting and disordered eating had and the effects on metabolism and behavior. I'm going to give you a quick overview of the study. So the first three months, these men ate as they pleased. So you know, their natural intuitive eating, as you'd say. Again, different for everyone. The next six months, so after those first three months, this was a period of semi-starvation where their calories, our, you know, energy intake was cut in half. So again, their natural uh, intake was cut in half. Again, was different for everyone, but it was around a specific number. Again, it's very important to note that their calorie intake was actually a lot higher than a lot of these diets you see in the media. You know, these 1,200 calories. Actually, these men were eating a little bit more than that at the time. And after the six months, after, you know, they had been through the semi-starvation, was the refeeding period. And the men, once again, were allowed to eat with no restrictions. So what happened to these men? So number one, they lost at least 25% of their body weight. Their metabolic rate decreased by 40%. They became obsessed with food and they had a primal urge to eat and talk about food, not to mention think about food all the time. Now, does that not scream eating disorder to you? You know, this is a behavior whereby these men had a primal urge to think, talk, look at food, etc. Some men started watching cookery programs or reading cookery books and talking about food. Several of the men had reported episodes of bulimia and even stole food during the semi-starvation period. Now, again, these are all things that people with um, a restrictive eating disorder, be that anorexia, bulimia, binge restrict cycle have all reported too. Their personalities changed, they became restricted, obsessive, anxious, and when allowed to return to normal eating, the men found it difficult to stop eating, reporting binges and feeling out of control around food. Now, what I would say around this is that is extreme hunger that we see, you know, and should be honoured. And these findings are strikingly similar to what happens in chronic dieting or disordered eating in today's world. You know, it took an average of five months for these men to normalise their eating habits. And some, if they didn't fully honour their hunger, um, never really recovered because they didn't know what was wrong with them. And this is why treatment programs are so, so important. Now, starvation 
so extreme calorie restrictions like those modern day diets or eating disorders and refeeding what happens when you stop dieting and eat normal can all influence your set point weight range and we learned from this study when you experience drastic weight fluctuations your body will want to return to its natural set point weight range and this is why often we see weight regain after initial quote unquote successful diet attempts now let me tell you this you do not need to diet your body does not want you to diet if you are eating to hunger and stopping when full on average, you know, we all have periods of overeating and we all, you know, have periods where we feel full and want a snack and that's absolutely fine. But that's all about intuitive eating. But your body doesn't, it's not designed to fall below its its set point range. And that's why, you know, if you are living in an underweight, undernourished body, you will experience a lot of, you know, unfavorable symptoms. The body is incredibly wise. Bodies strive to maintain equilibrium. And that set point theory suggests that when we are with within our body's preferred weight range, our metabolism, hormones, and overall health are at their best. That being said, you still do get things like a common cold, etc. You know, but you will have things like, and this is, you know, where you'll know you've reached your set point range is when you can focus on health promoting behaviors without trying to eat as little as possible. You have enough energy throughout the day. You're able to honor your body's hunger cues. And again, hunger can sometimes be mental or physical and sometimes emotional, but you're able to honor those hunger cues. Again, you're able to stop when you feel comfortably full And again, no overeating happens to everyone, but it's more occasional than every single day. You eat the food you love, including desserts, you know, and more, as you say, indulgent foods, typically that people would restrict when dieting, but you actually allow all foods into your diet because that's, you know, about balance. You stop stressing over food, you prioritize your sleep and stress management. And that is how you know you're at your body's set weight. Now, also, if you are a, you know, a a woman and, you know, not on a specific birth control, your menstrual status will be balanced. That being said, stress contributes to things. You could be at your body's set point weight and be overly stressed, etc. And sometimes your period or your menstruation won't come on time. But on average, if you are in your happy state mentally and physically, you will have regular menstrual cycles, you'll have stable energy levels and an absence of extreme hunger or extreme fullness cues. You know, you find that people under their set point range can't actually recognize hunger and fullness. I think, you know, it's really important to note that reaching your set point isn't just a physical journey, it's an emotional one too. Because a lot of time, and I see a lot of coaching clients not want to accept their body where it actually naturally needs to be. And an important aspect of recovery is actually letting go of those rigid diet rules or extreme exercise patterns, because it's all about building trust and acceptance. Building trust with your body is a crucial aspect of set point theory. This really means tuning into your body's hunger and fullness cues, allowing yourself to eat intuitively and practicing self-compassion. Now, 
In the context of eating disorder recovery, set point theory is a powerful, powerful concept. It highlights that your body is working on your side and working tirelessly to bring you back to your natural weight range once you allow it to. Your body doesn't want to be suppressed forever. It wants to be able to regulate your temperature, your hormones, etc. But because of obviously the mental aspect of eating disorders, that individual control means that you're kind of, if you stay with an eating disorder, never allow your body to work on its side. And oftentimes this comes with overshoot, and I've talked a little bit about it before, one will often fall above their set point weight range and then it naturally falls down again. And that's because the body's like, I want to protect you from any famine in the future. And it is all about trust, curiosity and embracing the journey. You know, it, it's really, really hard to trust your body again and letting letting your the rules go and let those rules go that you've built for so long, but it is going to be so important in your journey. Now, dieting is a way of pushing your body away from its natural set point. We've talked about this, and as a result, your metabolism slows down, and it's harder for you to maintain that low weight. And in the process, like in this process, you do crush your body image. I like, think a lot of people think that they'll be happier when they, they lose the weight, but actually you find that they're no happier than before. And why it slows the metabolism is because it's trying to protect itself. And actually you see some people gain weight at a lower calorific intake, really because it's in trying to survive famine. So actually, how do you find your set point weight? Now, it's really, really hard in early days of eating disorder recovery because often people are like, I don't have any hunger, um, hunger cues, I don't want to eat, etc. And that is because the body is suppressed. Now, that is why I like to follow the RAVES method with clients. So actually thinking about regularity, adequacy and variety at the first stages and then eating socially and spontaneity comes later. But you need to eat enough for your body. Stop restricting those calories. So again, it might be a rough guide of three meals and three snacks. It might be about you eating to, you know, that minimum and it's not controlled. You allow all foods to so indulge in those desires and, you know, or you will feel out of control around these foods. So if you completely reject all foods that you want, your body will go for that. You can't restrict your cravings forever. Your body is on your side and it will fight back. I want you to honor your hunger and fullness cues. Again, that might be really, really hard at the early stages. And again, absence of hunger is super hard, but that's where regularity comes in, mechanical eating. And then you will find your body starts to increase its hunger and you'll start to be able to listen to it. Then please, please, please stop obsessing over the weight on the scale and your body in the mirror because weight fluctuations happen multiple times a day times a week and this number is influenced both externally and internally so it might be a case of putting the scale away or asking somebody else to monitor your weight if that needs be but weight does not make this process any easier and again show yourself compassion and self-love it's a hard process and you may never know your set point weight and that is okay there's no equation or special number for you to figure that weight out but you'll know you've reached that point when 
you focus on eating um, on health promoting behaviors without trying to eat as little as possible you eat enough and have enough energy throughout the day you honor your body's hunger cues and you stop stressing so again i know i've reiterated there but it's it's a really 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 important to remember if you want to find your natural ideal weight then treat your body with respect it deserves and needs instead of focusing on numbers i.e. your weight calories minutes exercised the emphasis should be on healthy and sustainable living behaviors nothing should feel like hard work because your body is on your side you should feel satisfied you should feel energetic again if you've not slept you're not going to feel the most energetic but if you have done these things that are really health promoting behaviors you will feel better and the eating disorder is not on your side dieting is not on your side so it's about being curious now again i've had a lot of listener questions about some myths surrounding set points so i'm going to ask a couple myth number 1 that set is set point a fixed number and the answer is no this is the biggest myth your set point is not a specific unchanging number in reality it's arranged like i said influenced by a variety of factors and that is out of one's control and you shouldn't stress on the weight on the scale and that is why i would never recommend somebody weigh themselves daily because if you have a predisposition towards an eating disorder those weight fluctuations are extremely anxiety provoking myth number 2 does everyone have the same set point And the answer is no. Set points vary widely among individuals due to genetics, um, ethnicity, metabolism, and other factors. And there is no one size fits all set point. And that is why BMI is such crap. (laughs) Excuse my language, because a lot of time people's set point is above the B, you know, the, the quote unquote healthy BMI range. And that is healthy for them. And that is due to genetics, etc. Myth number four, set point guarantees health. And that again, being at your set point doesn't automatically mean you're in perfect health. We've got to think about other lifestyle factors like diet quality and, you know, whether you smoke, drink, you know, have reckless behavior or sleep quality, you know, just because you're at your set point doesn't mean you can let go of health promoting behaviors. You still have to manage stress. You still have to do all these things, but you are more likely to develop healthier habits if you're at your set point. And last myth, is set point fixed for life? Now, your set point can shift over time, and that is influenced by changes in lifestyles, habits, and age. It's not entirely fixed if you choose to have children or so your set point might slightly increase and that's very normal. And understanding your body's set point is essential for adopting a healthy and sustainable approach to life. You know, it's not necessarily just weight management, but it's the importance of respecting your body's natural cues and striving for a lifestyle that aligns with your unique physiological needs. That's what recovery is all about. It's not just about weight and food. It's about living to your full potential, your most energetic, happiest self. And being at your set point will help you get there. Now, 
I know it's really, really hard to trust that process. And that's why having a coach or another treatment professional is really important alongside that journey because you can help guide somebody and make necessary changes. So, you know, I don't talk a lot about my coaching here, but if you are interested in getting some individual guidance, you can apply for one-on-one coaching. At the moment, I do have a wait list. However, when spaces come available, I will contact you and offer you a discovery call um, so you can book into that. Alternatively, I am actually launching a community in the next couple of months, so before Christmas, I promise that, whereby there'll be group coaching and guest speakers in that community, and that will be at a very, very affordable price. So if you're interested in that, again, the link is in the description to apply for the waitlist, and you'll get more details when they are launched. So yeah, for now, I am going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for being here and joining me on this journey to understand set point theory and how to know where your set point is at. I hope it was useful. I hope, you know, you found it a curiosity and that's what recovery is about, curiosity. And if you do want to get in touch with any questions, please feel free via my website. I will get back in touch or I'll answer it on an episode. And as always, remember that recovery is a personal path and your body is your ally in this process. Please be kind to yourself and trust that your body is on your side. And I mean that it's not trying to be against you, but just give it the respect that it deserves. But for now, I'm going to go and have a hot lemon and ginger because boy, oh boy, this cold is nasty. But thank you for joining me. I will speak to you next week and take care. All my love.